Sometimes a failure or a fail is not the end of the story. And in fact, sometimes you can win a great victory even though you fail. I had a situation this week and I, for all intents and purposes, believed to the core of my being that it was a fail. But my rational mind is telling me that it wasn't. And we're going to unpack that today on STP. Welcome to Shattered the Podcast. Sharing the lived experience of mental illness on a father, a mother, a family. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. You may look at the podcast that I do and the Instagram things and all that sort of gear and think, well, Mark, you've got it all together. But the fact of the matter is that I live with mental illness, probably just like you or somebody you know. And the thing is, I still struggle daily with things. Now, last week I was at a school doing a session. Uh, Thankfully, somebody else was up in front of the class and something happened in that classroom, which I didn't even notice. Well, I did notice it, but it, it happened quickly. It happened suddenly and it was over just as quick. And I tried to not think anything of it. Uh, in my head, it was like, okay, that's something that's happened. Just move on. But it was a trigger, which I wasn't expecting. And it was a trigger that almost um, brought on a mental health crisis. So I'm in a classroom, we're setting up, we've got the kids inside, they're helping us to uh, set up the room. And there's a couple of kids beside me and behind me, which I don't like at the best of times. I don't like people sort of being in this kind of area. It just doesn't feel comfortable to me. Uh, When my kids used to come and lean over me and try and hug me that way, it it freaks me out. it's a very claustrophobic feeling. So I'm fighting the um, impulse to react to these kids being behind me, but it's so quick that um, I don't notice when one of them shoves like three or four kids and they all kind of fall right beside me. I get kind of bumped. I don't get shoved or anything. But I turn around and the person that did it, the only person that's there, says it wasn't me. Fairly innocuous, don't you think? And that was all. That was all. That that was all that happened. Problem was for me is I didn't recognize this as a trigger. I really didn't. I had no concept that this was anything but an annoyance because I was. I was annoyed. I was just like, seriously, guys, we're here to talk about mental illness and you think it's funny to shove people? Anyways, we start doing the session. Now, when I start to struggle, the first thing that happens is I get a roaring in my head. Um, It's not voices. It's not people saying anything. It's just a roar. Like a 
actually, that's a fairly good imitation. Uh, it feels ominous. It feels dangerous. And when it gets real bad, I can't hear somebody talking in front of me over that noise. I have to really focus. I have to look at their mouth. I have to ensure that I'm intent on what they're saying because this roaring is going on in my head. So I sit down at the back of the class and uh, uh, I'm just trying to take a back seat in this session. Um, the, the other person was the facilitator. I was just there to help them. And then it came to a group activity and I went around to the groups and there was one group I didn't go to. And that was the group that was the shoving group. I didn't think anything of this. I just, I turned around, I went to one group, went to another group, went to the other group. There's the last group. I just turned around, nah, and just went back to my seat. The roaring started to get worse. I didn't really know why. Um, I assumed it was just tiredness and um, stuff like that. But it was a lot more than that. It was this little tiny incident that made me feel incredibly unsafe. People behind me being attacked. I might be overstating it, um, but, you know, when you have nightmares about it and shivers up your up and down your spine all weekend, it's easy to blow it out of proportion. So here I am. The day before, I'd just spoken to the federal police um, about mental health, my interactions with police. I'd had a massively successful week. I'd been in three different schools. Um, I was about to go into another couple of organizations over the weekend. And I talk about living with mental illness. I should have it all together. Don't you think? You kind of think that that would be the natural thing of it. But the thing is, I'm living with mental illness and I can't forget that. I struggle just like anybody else. And that's why I talk about what I talk about. It's the fact that you can't compare your mental illness to anybody else. I mean, my brother was a veteran. He has PTSD, did four tours overseas. He talks about hearing bullets going past his head. I know he was on the machine guns on the back of the Bushmasters. I know that he looked after prisoners. He did everything that a soldier was supposed to do, except he wasn't. He was a radio technician. He was there to fix radios. What was he doing all this other stuff for? Anyways, he has PTSD. Now, for my family, it was easier to understand that my brother had PTSD than that I did because my PTSD came from people with diminished capacity, disabled people, people with um, acquired brain injury. Why would a few punches, kicks, stabs, from people with diminished capacity lead you to have a mental illness. When you compare it to what my brother went through, and therein lies the danger. If you're comparing your mental health to mine, say, it's an unfair comparison because your pain is your pain. You feel pain differently than I do. And just because I'm able to articulate it a little bit better, it's come from years of effort and trying. But you've got to remember, at the, in the above 
all and everything. I am always close to a mental collapse. If I don't care for myself, if I don't do the right things, if I don't uh, maintain the balance in my life of not overworking myself, not overstressing myself, making sure that I switch off, making sure that I sleep. If I stop doing these things, if I stop tomorrow, if somebody gave me a billion dollars and said, okay, you don't have to do anything for the rest of your life. If I still didn't do those things, I would still be in trouble. I would still be within weeks of a mental health crisis. It's scary when you think of that. That's the truth. So when you're out there, you're listening to people, you're, you're hearing their stories, you, you, you're thinking, man, I've got some pain, but my pain's not that bad. I mean, I presented with a girl the other week who, she told the story of abuse of a, a drug-addicted parent, uh, all different kinds of abuse, every kind of abuse you can imagine. Um, terrible stories. I can't even relate them because one because they're not my story but two it's too hard to think about what this girl went through now when she finished her talk i was supposed to get up and do my talk <laughs> and thank goodness in the place they asked her a lot of questions because if she had just said full stop i'd like to introduce mark get up and go i wouldn't have been able to go because i was so in awe of the pain and the strength that she'd shown that my little struggle was nothing compared to hers. Now, do you see the danger in that thinking? If I all of a sudden say that your mental health is more real, your mental health is more reasonable than mine, I'm negating my own pain. I'm diminishing it. And I'm diminishing myself because I'm comparing myself to that person. I'm saying I am not as good as or as strong as that person because I could not go through what they went through. Well, see, simply, we don't know that. Would I end up the same way if I had been through the same kind of abuse? I don't know. I hope, I hope so. But I doubt it. But therein comes the danger of comparing. Her pain is real. Her pain came from a real place. So did mine. No less real than hers. So, I'm in a classroom. I decide I can't do it. I walk outside and every step is like walking through jelly. Every fiber of my being was saying, get back in that room, you sook. This is pathetic. Get back in that room. But I had to sit down with um, a couple of my leaders, a couple of um, incredible people, and there was no judgment. There was no shame. There was just, look, we can see you're struggling. What do you need? Are you safe? I'd gotten to 
a realization that I was in danger before it was close. I had started to hyperventilate, which is the next step. I get the loud noise in my ears and then I start to hyperventilate and then I can't breathe and I get panicked. But I stepped out before the breathing got real bad. My colleagues sat with me. They didn't ask questions. They just talked about, are you okay? What can we do? We need to look after you. You've done a lot (laughs) over the last couple of weeks. What can we do to help you? It got me in a calm frame of mind. One of them walked out to the car, spoke to me for 20 minutes, just chatting, helping me de-stress, letting me know that everything was okay. Both of these people were stupidly kind. (laughs) Um, And I said, you know, I hate to fail in this way. I hate to, I hate to leave you in the lurch. And they both said, and it was unanimous, and they were emphatic that I'd actually succeeded because I was in a situation that was becoming out of my control, and I asked for help. I recognized that I did not have the ability to continue, and if I did, it might lead to a mental health crisis. And I said, oh, you know I would never hurt the students. And they said, no, no, we're worried that you'll hurt yourself. So I, oh, oh. <laughs> it just turns all my expectations on my head because even I'm thinking somebody's having a mental health crisis, get them away from children. They might hurt them. So I'm no, no. It was more of a danger to myself. So did I fail? I mean, let's look at it logically. Did I complete a session that I was booked in to complete? I knew that I was struggling beforehand. Should I have called beforehand and said, I can't do this? Was I right to just show up and see what happens? If this shoving incident hadn't have taken place, would my mindset have been in a different place? Would I have been able to deal with that session? don't know all i know is that in my rational mind i think about if it was somebody else if i was the leader and somebody came up to me in exactly the same situation and said exactly the same thing i would be proud of that person i would be proud that they understood their limits They understood their capacity and they understood that pushing forward was helping no one. Hardest thing in the world to do when you have a mental illness is admit that you're not okay, that you're not well, that you can't do some things at some times. It's the hardest thing you'll ever do. It was not easy to walk out of that classroom. It was not, and even now, there's, there's, there's a voice in the back of my head that's screaming at me saying, you sook, you wuss, 
And I have to just <laughs> squash that and just say, no, no, you're being unfair. I feel like I succeeded. I feel like it was a victory. And it wasn't one of those spheric victories, one of those victories that, you know, you kind of just won, but you lost at the same time. Um, you know, you fought a battle and you won the battle, but you lost so much that you lost the war. It's not one of those. It was a situation where I could either succeed or fail, and to leave was a success. Maybe I would have succeeded if I had stayed in that room. I know that I would have had a lot more work to do with mindfulness at the end of that time. But all in all, I think it was the right thing to do. What do you think? Um, <clears throat> I hope that you would have the compassion in your heart to believe the best, that yes, it was the right thing to do, and what it means is I, I kind of have to take a backward step a little bit. I have to go back and I have to start monitoring what I'm allowing myself to do. I stopped doing that because it didn't seem necessary anymore. I knew that I've only got a couple of good hours in me every day. Anything beyond that is just, it's struggle town. I didn't have to keep as good a check on that as I have at other times. I now know that I have to reinstitute that. And that, that is a little bit of a backward step. But I think I learned something at the radio station. And it was that you can burn out doing something that you love. You can burn out doing something that you feel like you were born to do. Seems bizarre to me. You know that thing, do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. Well, that's actually not true because if you overwork, if you overextend out of your love and passion for what you're doing, then it can be just as dangerous as not doing it in the first place. Did I succeed or fail? My vote, yes. <laughs> and uh, I hope that you agree. Hey, I really want to thank you for listening to Shattered, the podcast today. Don't forget to subscribe, like, and share. Have a good one. I'll talk to you soon. Oh, oh, big news. I've got some big news that I'm going to share with you next week. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to Shattered, the podcast. I'd like to thank our producer, Meredith Brosnan, our executive producer, Torian Lau, and the band Adelaide for allowing us to use their song as our theme. Go to shatteredthepodcast.com for more information.